If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast brought to you by the wonderful Golding Accountancy, wearegolding.com for all your accountancy needs. How are you? I am good. I am, oh I feel a bit, I feel good but I feel a bit weird. Wait a minute, my dog's going somewhere. Where's she going? No, it's fine. She's alright. I've got a puppy. She's four months old. We got her a couple of weeks ago. And... To be fair, the other people that I've spoken to that have had puppies, she's actually quite good. Like, she's toilet trained. I'm touching wood as I'm saying all this. So that's brilliant. She sleeps alone, doesn't moan for me. Downstairs. Because the cat's upstairs, so she can't come up at the moment until they've become friends. She really wants to play with the cat, and the cat does not want to play with Dolly. Dolly's massive. Um, and Panda, even though Panda is it's funny actually because Panda's massive for a cat and Dolly's massive for a dog maybe I'm just and we're quite all short for humans <laughs> so the irony the irony but um, yeah it, things are fine but it's just all a bit weird having something else living in your home that you constantly need to clean up after and stop from eating your stuff to be fair she is quite good, she's not too bad actually but yeah it's just um it's an adjustment period. But anyway, I feel a bit weird because I had a hospital appointment. I have, I've spoken about this in great length before on podcasts. But if you're new to the podcast, then I have endometriosis and very large ovarian cysts which need to be removed. And I've been waiting for ages for an appointment. And I finally had one. And I basically am going to have a hysterectomy. So even though I kind of said, I'll have a hysterectomy if that's what I need to have done when she offered it to me at the appointment I was a bit like oh it made me feel a bit sad even though I don't want any more kids and I don't enjoy my periods or all the issues that I've had surrounding my reproductive organs it was just still a bit like oh okay but now I've kind of sat with it even though I do I don't have to have one but it is an option and I'm just like do you know what it's what they've recommended because if they just remove the cysts and endometriosis there's a chance that it could come back or it doesn't work fully or when they go in to try and do it they might find that it's too stuck so they need to not do it then and do it at a later date and I'm like you know what if you're going in you might as well just go in and get rid but obviously I will therefore go through the menopause early but the symptoms that I'm having anyway now are either perimenopausal symptoms or they're because of the cysts that I've got my hormones have always been shit so maybe the fake ones or whatever they are in HRT will be better than the ones that I make in my body and it's going to happen sooner rather than later so I may as well just bite the bullet and get it over and done with well We shall see. But yeah, so anyway, so that's my big news. I'm having a hysterectomy. But um, it's, I've got to wait about six months, she said. But I'm like, do you know what? The state of the NHS at the moment and everything that's happened with COVID, it's been a year since I've been, as I'm recording this, it's been a year since all my problems started. So if I'm going to have it all sorted within 18 months, I think that's quite good going, really, considering some people wait for years even to get a diagnosis because 
period problems are seen as a part of life they're not seen as something that needs to be rectified and you know can be the result of other issues unfortunately so yes oh yes that was a bit of a gambling 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 what am, I, what am I trying to say? This is another thing. Oh my God. Do you watch This Is Us? If you do, if you don't, sorry, but there's a character who's got, um, I don't know if it's Alzheimer's, I don't know what it is, but she can't think of words. And the last episode I saw was like, for the whole day she's trying to think of the name of the last carriage on a train. And I'm like, this is my everyday existence. Like I can't, I spend ages trying to think of words for things and I don't, I can't. So this is why I think I'm perimenopausal. Or it might be stress. I'm reading this really good book called The XX Brain. Can you tell that I've not spoken to anyone today? <laughs> um, and it's about how women are 50% more likely to get Alzheimer's than men. And it's all a lot to do with your hormones. So it, I'm going to post about it, but it's called The XX Brain. And I would say that every woman needs to read it just to make you a bit more, more aware of what's going on in your body. Because I was honestly thinking I might have early onset dementia but I don't it turns out it's probably just stress <laughs> which would make sense actually or it could be my cysts will be eating estrogen and my dropping estrogen would result in me having brain fog and memory loss and stuff so it's probably a combination of a lot of things but it's not it's very unlikely that I'm going to get Alzheimer's so I'm very happy about that or heart disease which is really good um but anyway I'm going to stop going on now this week the wonderful Vix Layton joined me Vix is a comedian she's a woman and those two things don't normally go hand in hand not that women aren't funny just as a career I mean unfortunately but yeah we had a wonderful chat I do hope you enjoy it and haven't fallen asleep with me rattling on prattling on I'll have a listen and I'll see you in a bit Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Work. It's just terrifying that you can't have an off day in any kind of medical profession. Because yeah. if I have an off day, because I work in PR, and um, we've got a phrase in PR that's like, um, it's PR, not ER. So whatever you do wrong, it is not life threatening. You know, as much as you think it is an absolute catastrophe, whatever it is, it, it no one's yeah. gonna die. But to go into work, like, you've had a few drinks the night before and to know that if you're not switched on, it could have such a huge impact. I don't know how you yeah. get up in the morning and do that. It's so brave. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, thank God people do. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. 
I made I, fish yeah. fingers in my toaster recently because so I thought that was a good idea and now it's broken. Yesterday, my husband was like, um, the toaster's on fire. I wonder why that is. And I was like, I know exactly why that is. There's a fish finger in there because it all went floppy because I, I came in drunk. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make a fish finger sandwich. I can't be bothered to put the oven on. So I put them in the toaster thinking I was an absolute genius. I was like, this Just is genius. Just on their own or in the bread? No, on their own in okay. there so i balanced them in yeah exactly i'm saying it now and i'm like i don't know why i thought this would work i'm balanced i balanced them in i popped Maybe them down you them on the top yeah and put the thing down there were a lot of things i could have done instead of what i chose to do and then they went all floppy and i couldn't get them out so then i was like poking again you know the thing you're not supposed to do i was like poking cutlery in there trying to get them out and then fragments of them just fell into the into the grid and i thought well that is sober vix's problem tomorrow completely forgot about it and now oh. a couple of weeks later <laughs> reese's like why is it black smoke yeah this I was like well damned if i know uh, <laughs> why that's happened and it was only when i was lying in bed last night i was like oh, i know what happened <laughs> shit you're lucky that that wasn't a lot worse actually but you can imagine how many because i totally understand that i totally understand you're a bit pissed and you're like yeah. oh that's a good idea i thought i was a genius i was like this yeah. is oh my god i am living in 20 2022 <laughs> this is this is the this is the future I'm a legend. I'm a problem-solving legend. And but no. I think maybe it's prevented you from making a worse error. I, yeah, I won't put anything maybe. else in the toaster that's not exactly. toast. A lesson has been learned. But yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, hi. So that, oh, that's that's who I am as a person. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I know so much about you already. Let's <laughs> get it out up front. Um. <laughs> so where you're from, Wales? Yes, I'm from Cardiff. I'm very often oh, Cardiff. Yeah. So, did your family? Obviously, your family didn't move to Leighton because you sound like you're from Wales. So, you were obviously there. So, I was born in Wales. My mum married an English man, and she said when she was pregnant, they went to visit my dad's parents, and she was prepared to run over the Severn Bridge in labour to make sure that I was born as a Welsh girl. But she didn't have to do that, oh. thankfully. But, um, yeah, so my dad moved to Wales to... I don't know if he met my mum when he was already living in Cardiff or that if that was something that happened. It's probably... Good. I, I, I was about to say it's probably a question I should ask, but they're divorced now. It's probably not a question she wants to answer anymore. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, um, they met in Cardiff and um, he lived there with us for... Well, he, he doesn't live in Cardiff now. He lives in, uh, like, a little town outside of Cardiff, but never moved back. Okay. So I okay. chose to move to London for work nine years ago in a couple of weeks actually so okay so you've yeah. been here a little while yeah whereabouts are you i'm in limehouse at the moment oh, okay so yeah it's nice up limehouse. and coming yes yeah executive flats <laughs> nice views some stabbing <laughs> <laughs> everywhere's getting a bit less stabby i think we if hope I, so I the, yeah <laughs> I think they're getting pushed out a bit yeah gentrification it's on, obviously but yeah it's not all bad um but it's it's brilliant it feels like the center of the world because it's only two stops from bank and you can get anywhere from yeah. bank if you can work yeah. out how to get out of there via one of the 11 exits <laughs> it is an absolute nightmare that walk from monument to bank yeah oh my god it literally lasts days that's where most of my steps are done on my yeah. watch it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you, have you always worked in PR? Um, yeah, that, that's been my sort of main career. So before I got into that, I worked in a call centre selling car insurance, then doing car insurance claims. So nice. I always knew I wanted to do either PR or a journalism-based job, but it's yeah. so competitive, it's really hard to get in. It's a lot of paid and unpaid internships yes. is the route in for a lot of people. So as a result, I think it's a shame it's, You've is got it to have still like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's getting better because it's it's starting to be frowned upon in a lot of ways to give people unpaid work to do in general. But yeah. I think it is a lot easier if you're able to take on those unpaid things knowing you've got financial support either by your parents or yeah. 
for some other independent means but because so it was always like that in music because that's what I started out in but I was like luckily I could live at home with my mum and dad and they could support me but I was like but so that's very rare isn't it you've got to just be very come from a very wealthy family but I kind of thought that they'd maybe stopped I was talking to my friend actually and he works for a record label and I think that he said that they'd not been able to do that as much like they had to pay a certain amount now but it was still all the jobs were given to people that worked their mates yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, so it's still really fucking hard to actually get into it. And even when it's paid, it's so little. Yeah. Because like, these jobs are so competitive, they don't have to pay a lot to get people to come in and, like, give it all. Yeah. Like, literally give up their whole lives for it. And PR is one of those jobs as well where the hours yeah. are insane when you first start. So yeah. the few people that I knew that weren't from privileged backgrounds when I was working in the first London agency that I worked in, um, they were eating the bread that you had for like the free breakfast at work at lunchtime and trying to make ends meet that way it was it's it's hard I think it's still hard I think creative jobs are a privilege for a lot of people still which is a real shame and it's because comedy is my other job and it's something that I've noticed particularly with Edinburgh Fringe coming up the more money you've got to start with the cheaper you can get things at Edinburgh Fringe so fortunately because I've got the day job I was able to book my Airbnb back in October, but to get a really good deal on it, you have to pay up front because all the cheaper properties, they wanted the money immediately or a big chunky deposit. So I was able to do that. It's still not cheap by any means, but I fortunately had a credit card that I was able to whack that on. But people who are struggling to make ends meet, they have to wait and save and the longer it takes you to save up the money that you need for it, the fewer options you have and that's just one element of Is Edinburgh Fringe. Is there any subsidised accommodation at all in Edinburgh? Because I know I've I've never actually been, I've wanted to go for years but my friends were performing there and I was like oh, I'll go up and see them and I could not fucking believe, not only the cost of the train up there which was like five times what it usually was I was like ridiculous but a fucking the accommodation I was like I'm, I'm gonna have to sleep on someone's floor like yeah. that ain't happening and, and that's the thing and a lot of people do and I'm like, like I said I'm lucky because I've got the day job so I'm able to stay in flat with my own bedroom but a lot of my mates who are desperate to go and absolutely should go because they've got these brilliant shows are looking at staying eight people in like student accommodation but it's still costing a thousand odd quid to do it just for the privilege of a shared bathroom and a galley kitchen yeah. that students wouldn't even pay for that but yeah it's it's ridiculous it's tough but to be on the inside of it is there anything do they help in any way at all is it literally no like, no it costs you 300 pounds to register you can't even do a show there without paying 300 pounds to the edinburgh fringe society to register it so you're already 300 pounds down and when you think for shows to get good you have to do things like edinburgh fringe for people to know about yeah. you you have to yeah, do yeah, it yeah. you're not expecting to make money this is all loss so you kind of have to see it as investment but it it's loss yeah. so it's it's just yeah you can see how so many middle class boys have got where they've got in comedy because they have yeah. the means to do all of these things without too much of a pinch so it, wow it's, i never realized it was that it's a massive hard. problem it is yeah. a massive problem and particularly this year as well because i guess the places that had been edinburgh accommodation the last few years haven't been able to charge the money that they've been charging before so they've whacked up the costs even more now to try and recoup what they've lost so it's yeah it's going to be an interesting one this year i think but i don't know how i'm going to pay for it and like i said i consider myself to be reasonably okay financially so if i'm struggling i cannot imagine some of my brilliant creative people who are so devoted to the craft and they don't you know they didn't they don't have this sort of marketing career that they've been building for 15 years underneath it's that's terrible is this your how many times have you done it is this your first time or have you done it my first proper one because I went last year for a week um, because they just decided to do it it felt like overnight in May they were like right we're gonna have a fringe and so I just booked a flat and went up and did six days of shows and it was so good but I'll never have it that good again because there were enough people wanting to see the shows but the usual amount of people doing the shows there weren't that many people to see versus other okay. years so I think I got people into my shows that would not have been there under normal circumstances so I think I've had a false sense of how popular I'm going to be this year how do you get people in are you just literally on the streets flyering all day for that well, night 
Well, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. I didn't do it last year <laughs> because I because I, I've got my own podcast, so it's a panel show, and I think it's quite a nice thing if you're seeing a lot of shows because comedy shows can be quite intense because your 45 minute shows typically there's funny bits but there's got to be some heart to it to give it yeah that quality so you the, the good shows take you on a bit of an emotional journey so I think the idea of going to see three comedians on a panel just talking nonsense I think it, it was an easier sell yeah. than it should have been but I'm doing a solo show this year and I'm not well known so I do not know how this is going to go and I've been told that it's going to be very good for building up resilience <laughs> and to take it as that like oh you'll um you'll get used to doing rooms of two or three people sometimes now and I was like oh will I because I'm 37 and I, I don't know if I will <laughs> oh god you look about 25 <laughs> what's your secret well I don't um... I started comedy only three years ago, so I, I've come oh, into it wow. really, really late. So, yeah, I'm not sure so I've got the, the reserves that other people oh, have. <laughs> there is, I know that it's like that, and I'm sure that there's loads of people who are super successful now who went through exactly the same thing. So the thing is, you're there and you're doing it, and that's a lot better than anyone will ever do, so... <laughs> You'll well, be fine. That's the thing, because I got into comedy by accident because I wanted to get over a phobia of public speaking because in my day job, I was being asked to speak at conferences quite regularly because I worked in tech and they wanted yeah. women panellists for tech conferences to prove that they were diverse and that they were taking their gender split seriously. So they were asking me to do yeah. it and I was too scared to do it. But then I was going to these conferences and whinging that women weren't doing it. So I was part of the problem. And I was like, we yeah. can't all say no and then come along and bitch and moan at um, all the men that have said yes. I've got to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So I did a stand-up um, comedy course for confidence. Okay. It was just a half-day course. And it was um, with this not-for-profit called Funny Women. And it didn't get me over my fear of public speaking by any stretch, but it there was a spark there so I did the yeah. session I pushed myself to do it made a couple of friends in the room and at the end the tutor of the course Lynn was like okay so what are you going to do next then because she assumed that I was there because I wanted to do stand-up because I had a bit about me because I'm used to yeah because when you do marketing jobs and PR jobs it's probably the same in the music industry you get used to the icebreaker question you get used to being in a group of people and trying to bond really quickly with them yeah so I knew I knew how to tell a good story I was used to being in lunch meetings with journalists when maybe they were dull, so I had to speak for an yes. hour, basically. Yeah, so yeah, I had yeah. this reserve of entertaining stories in the back of my mind in case somebody was dry. So I already yeah. had all of this about me, and I, I loved comedy. I used to listen to Eddie Izzard's um, stand-up shows when I was a teenager, like you'd listen to albums. Like I could yeah. do it word for word. So I always loved comedy. But then when Lynn said, what are you going to do with it after? I was like, what am I going to do with it after? And so I did what the modern solution is, which was tweet about it. I was like, right, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to tweet. I'm going to ask people how you get into comedy, bless. Yeah. I tried Googling, it didn't work. I, I took it to Twitter. I was like, hey guys, I want to get into comedy. Has anyone got any ideas? Obviously, nobody did. That's not how it works. And, but I was able to say to myself, I was like, well, I've, I've clearly done all I can. I did that one tweet. That's fine. That's I'll, I'll put it to bed. One tweet, one Facebook post. Yeah. It's not for me. But um, the, the comedian Mark Watson saw my tweets and replied to it and said, do you want to come on my 26-hour charity comedy marathon show and get over your fear of public speaking and learn about stand-up for charity? Oh, my God. And, you know, he was one of my favourite comedians for years and years. I've been such a huge fan that even though I was absolutely terrified, I couldn't say no. I had to go yeah. for it. So I thought, right, fine, I'll, I'll go. You never know. Maybe he'll forget that I'm supposed to do this. I'll just sit in the audience and see what happens. And... Uh, <laughs> He didn't forget, which, which thankfully didn't forget. So I did this day, well, this day and night of being brought on stage every couple of hours, sent off to do a task, report back to the audience of 100 people how the task had gone. So one of them was a confidence exercise. One of them was about writing material. So I had six questions to answer. And by the time I got to the end of the day, I thought, I could do this. This, this could be yeah. a thing. And one of the people that I'd worked with on the day ran a comedy night. So a couple of weeks later, Tom Tuck got in touch and said, do you want to perform tonight at our comedy night? 
I think he left it to the day because he knew that if he gave me a long enough run up, I would bottle out of it. So yeah, it was yeah, literally yeah, yeah. on the morning. And I remember I was on the treadmill at the gym and I didn't reply for an hour and a half because I was just like, my head was full of bees. I was oh like, I don't know if God. I want to do this. But yeah, that was three years ago. And um, what did you do? How did, did you already have material that you'd written, or were you... oh, it was so bad! It was so bad. <laughs> it was like every cliche you could imagine. It was awful. Like, I, and everyone was so kind about it. And if it had been another room that wasn't like Tom Tuck's room with people that sort of knew me, because a lot of the people in the audience have been to the Mark Watson show, I okay. probably never would have done it again. But you have to be bad before you're good. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was just so giddy that I was doing it because it was so out of the realms of anything I ever thought I could do that that carried me through yeah. all of the early gigs because it didn't matter if it went well or badly. I was just delighted to be there because yeah. I just never thought in a million years it would be something that I was doing. So the adrenaline just pushed me wow. on. A stupid, horrible male promoter told me that you couldn't call yourself a comedian until you'd done 100 gigs. We had a bit of an argument when I was quite early into comedy. And so to teach him a lesson, I did 100 gigs in a year because I was like, fine, I'll do 100 gigs then I'll show you. And um, I did my 100 gigs two weeks before the first lockdown. <laughs> but, okay. I, but again, if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't have built up that, momentum yeah I, I once that happened I probably wouldn't have kept with it where did you gig was it mainly in London everywhere, everywhere that would have me so I went and did a did one at home in Cardiff I started a night at home that I was doing every couple of months um I set up my own gig just down the road in my local pub because I drunkenly said we should do a comedy night here and the woman said okay I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> now I'll have to do it <laughs> but yeah there were really like some some good gigs with big audiences a lot of them were just six people and three of them were the other comedians sometimes it was just the other comedians yeah because <laughs> I had yeah. this figure in my head that I wanted to reach 100 but it was so good for my generating material because often yeah. you were seeing the same comedians and I didn't want to do the same set twice in front of them so it pushed me <laughs> to try different things plus it's just practice isn't it you need to practice to get better so that's perfect really but yeah so that was a bold thing I did. And I, up until that wow. point, I was happy enough in PR. I was having a nice time. We were building, building quite a nice lifestyle. So yeah. we've reached a point, me and my husband, where we didn't need to worry so much. So we were getting to the end of the month without worrying how yeah. we'd make ends meet. So we'd, we, were, we were, yeah, reaching quite a nice point in life where things got comfortable. So obviously me being a chaos agent, I had to pick uh, interests that would be a massive money pit yeah <laughs> yeah because i'd imagine you wouldn't have did you get paid for the early no. gigs you just do it for yeah it's like it, gigging isn't it like bands gigging you don't get any money out of it yeah it's, it's rare that you get much of a fee and even when you do it'll be 25 pound and me being me if i've got an evening in a pub i will spend two you know i'll end up spending 20 quid on two glasses of wine and yeah yeah <laughs> Because you've got to get through the night. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's... yeah. God, it's, that's amazing. It, so then what happened after the 100... Well, obviously, it was lockdown, wasn't it? So what happened then? Um, I missed it. I missed the attention. I missed the buzz of doing something that I'd really come to love. So I was one of the early people that was prepared to try the Zoom gigging. Yep. So I started that quite quickly. And I did... A Sunday afternoon Instagram live thing where because I knew no comedians were particularly busy unfortunately I just messaged my favorite comedians and said do you want to come and speak to me on Instagram live about comedy about how you got into it maybe give me some tips and um, they were really generous with their time so a lot of them said yes so I did a Sunday afternoon series of talking to all these brilliant comedians like a little chat show which oh, wow. I really enjoyed it was it's so wild. So I had Fiona Allen from Smack the Pony on because she was just gigging on the circuit with me because she started, she started in stand-up the same time I did because she's obviously a comedy legend, but sketch yeah. and acting, decided she wanted to do stand-up, was immediately brilliant at it, but there's no shortcut in. You have to do yeah. the gigging. So she was yeah. on gigs with me, like on all these muggles, Fiona Allen. <laughs> oh my God. Like this trailblazing comedy legend. Yeah. 
So we'd met on the circuit a few times and she'd come to do my night and because it was female run, because not a lot of comedy nights are female run, she really liked the vibe of it, so it was really supportive. So she came to do the interview for me one Sunday afternoon and Sean Walsh spotted it because with Instagram Live it goes on yours and theirs and yeah, started yeah. commenting in the chat. And loads of my friends, my phone was lighting up. So my friends were like, Vix, don't panic, but Sean Walsh is in the chat. Oh he is literally God. in the chat. And uh, by the time I got to the end of the little interview section that I was doing, I was drunk enough to DM Sean Walsh and say, yep. I've spotted you on my Instagram interview. Do you want to be my guest next week? And he said yes. So I got to, yeah, spend 45 wow. minutes chatting to Sean Walsh on Instagram Live. And he's been a really lovely, supportive person ever since. Like... The beauty of comedy is a lot of the big names, they are just, they're, they're just like you, they're, they're nerdy for comedy, that's why they got yeah. into it, they're still excitable when they're on the bill with somebody that they really love and respect, that never goes away, yeah. so I've found that people who are at the top of comedy who I've been lucky enough to meet have been hugely supportive and kind, so oh, that's nice. it's rare that you find that in any industry, but this one particularly, yeah. there's a lot of people ready to sort of put the ladder down and they, as soon as you're part of it, you're part of it, they treat you like colleagues, they treat you with respect, which you don't necessarily, yeah. <laughs> you don't necessarily warrant when you're just open my wow. your own town. So, yeah, that was, yeah, just a lot of really nice, serendipitous things happened to sort of keep yeah. me going on it. And then I started a Twitch panel show, nice. which is like an extension of the Instagram Live thing. I, I saw people were doing Twitch and I was jealous. I wanted to be part of it. I, I, like, yeah. I like to be part of the latest thing. So I yeah. set up a Twitch thing and just did, it's, I had a bingo ball full of topics. And I just read the topic out and I get three comedians to tell me their best story or anecdote on it. And then I just give them points. And that worked out really well. It got a decent little following. So I turned it into a podcast. And um, that has probably been the best thing I've ever worked on. It's the hardest I've ever worked. But I'm taking that to Edinburgh Fringe this year. And that will hopefully, because people like it, pay for yeah. my solo show to be an absolute washout <laughs> if it's a washout. <laughs> but yeah it just went from strength to strength again I just asked loads of comedians to come and record they were really yeah. generous with their time so that's had... brilliant so how long has that been going um two years in October oh wow and we've been all sorts of places so um we supported McFly McFly did that big day out in South End, and I got booked for the comedy stage so I got to be wow. part of a bill with McFly and thanks to the brilliant Stu Whiffen, who I think was in charge of booking that. Um, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I've done festivals with it. It's just been unreal. Like, it's been such a brilliant thing to do. And I think it's kind of tricked people into thinking I'm a better comedian than I am because I'm next to comedians who are really successful. <laughs> They're like, oh, she must be big and we just haven't heard of her. But no, it's all a lie. <laughs> but you must be able to stand your ground. Um, it's nice to be in a. It's nice to be a host of a panel show as a woman because there are so few. So it's really fun yeah. to kind of subvert that norm. And it's yeah, the following that I've got is it's it's lovely. It's really fun to do. So, but... how have you found being? Oh, go on. Oh, go on. No, you... no go on because I'll ask you. I'll ask you after. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the worst thing though is that with a panel show as the host, if your guests are really good. You can't get a word in. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I got reviewed by Chortle, which is the big trade magazine for comedy. And yeah. um, the only line about me was, Vix didn't have a lot to do. Because <laughs> you keep it going, but you're just queuing people in and keeping the yeah. conversation going where there's a lull. But when they're really good people, you don't get a lot of airtime. Yeah. So I did a few shows yeah. at Edinburgh Fringe like that, where the show was amazing and everybody loved it. But I was like, does anyone know me any better having spent yeah. an hour with me in this? So, um, a few... I suppose of... that's the thing, isn't it? It's because you're a good host then you do, it's about your guests, isn't it? So, but I get... Yeah, and I guess... I get that. That's the difference in probably... You see it more with, again, men who are very confident and are happy to assert their voice in a conversation. Whereas for me, if it's going well, I don't need to be... Yes. My voice doesn't need to be in the mix, but but it's not yes. quite it's not quite so good when you come off and feel like you, there was a brilliant show, but you weren't really part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get that. 
So, so yeah. how have you found being a woman in the comedy scene? Because there's not many of you. I mean, is it better now? It's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. I think there's a suggestion that it's better, but it is still not very equal. So yeah. I was due to do a gig last night that I was the only woman on the bill of 13 acts. 13? 13 acts. And that wow. is not unusual. Yeah. Like, obviously, there are loads of little communities and WhatsApp groups and we will screen grab these lineups and be like, were no women free? <laughs> but it's really tough, though, because it... I think, you know, women are the kind of people, and it's a generalisation, it's certainly not true of all women. I think for women getting into comedy, they would like to wait until they think they'd be good at it before they even start. Whereas I think a lot of men just assume they'll be good at it. And even if they're not, they believe that they are. And so that will carry them. So yeah. I imagine for, you know, less women try, so less women will even start the process. But some women will get to gig 10 and they don't think they're making much progress and they are self-critical yeah. and just stop because it is yeah. hard and you know there are elements of your life like a lot of women have to balance childcare with it as well and that doesn't mean they shouldn't be voices on the circuit but it makes it a lot harder to go to a pub in the middle of nowhere and then stay until 11 because the promoters expect you to stay and support the show do a bit of schmoozing at the end it's yeah. I think there are still, you know, it's definitely getting better across the board, but there are still a lot of obligations and responsibilities that women have that they have to consider and balance that maybe men don't necessarily yeah. have to think of. And safety is another thing. Again, if you're in a pub in the middle of nowhere, walking into some of these pubs look like the start of an episode of The Bill where you know someone's going to wander in and find a dead body in the horrible toilet. Like, it, they are horrible places. Like, genuinely, you don't feel very safe going into them. You yeah. know you have to walk back late afterwards or get a taxi, which, again, makes it financially unviable. It's yep. just those considerations that maybe men don't worry about yeah. it so much. So I think we're not starting, on, we're not starting from an, an even place. Yes, yeah. Even when we're all setting out. But... yeah. It's brilliant to see women come through, but it is still, again, very uneven. But we sometimes women are our own worst enemies, though, because you get the feedback of, I don't normally find women funny, but I liked you. And it's women that say that more than men. So, yeah. we we're, really? It's so disappointing. Like, I did a poll because um, cause my day job's PR, so I worked for the research agency just out of pure interest to find out who, you know, whether men and women found men or women funnier. And both men and women said they thought men were funnier. And that's, like, <laughs> that's so disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> wow. You ask people to give their favourite comedian, it's so rare to see anybody put women as their favourite, even though there are some absolutely brilliant women in the industry. Or it'll be old school, it'll be like Carolina Hearn or Victoria Wood, the people that managed to sort of break through oh TV. God. That is a long time ago. Exactly, but they're, but the, they're suppose... typically the names you see in like the top 10 funniest people. Do you so... think it is because there are so many more male, famous male comedians than there are women that people just automatically, like I wouldn't, I don't really know who my favourite comedian is. I just, I used to love Vic and Bob. And now I found I find people funny. I don't know if I've really got a favourite comedian, but if I was put on a spot, I probably would say a man because I'd be trying to think of someone. And I just know more men than women because there are more men yeah. than women that are doing it. And from a TV point of view as well, you can kind of almost see the conundrum for people who are producing comedy shows because if both men and women are saying they'd rather see men, yeah. It's where does it commercially do you it? take the chance of doing an all woman panel? Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. I started watching Taskmaster with my girls recently and we I'd never watched it before, even though my best friend is his favourite programme and I'd, it's just one I'd never get around to doing anything. But my youngest daughter Juno actually said I think it was on the second or third series, she was like, Why is there only ever one woman? And I was like, I'm so glad that you noticed that 
and there's only ever one person that isn't white as well i mean we're on, i think we're on like series eight now or something and i think it's, get, it's getting get better. It is better. getting better. But I yeah. was like, fucking hell yeah. I mean, it's just boys club. And don't I love it. And I love the, the people they've had on there. But it is like, I think now the series we're on, there's two women. So. Oh. <laughs> it's um, only one non-white person, though. But, yeah, because Catherine Ryan came off Mock the Week because she said she was taking out the woman's seats. And while they were booking yeah. her, they weren't booking anybody else. So she yeah. said she just came away from it and said... I've got enough out of that. I want another. I want another woman to be able to to get the profile yeah. of it. But yeah, you'll find they'll find some women that they love, and then they'll do all the jobs. But it's the yeah. same with big fat quiz of the year. So you'll have three male comedians on there, and then a female personality. So it's not it's not even a female comedian more often than not. So it was like Maya Jammer last year, and she's a great okay. TV presenter, but she's up against people who write jokes for a living. Yeah. And she's not maybe coming across as quick or as sharp as them. So the audience is going, oh, look, women, not funny. It's like, you're yeah. not, you're comparing apples and pears. They, that's that's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. comedian. That is somebody who's a TV presenter. But it will just be any woman will do. <laughs> so it'll be Stacey Solomon or they don't put a female comedian in for those panels. And it's confusing. So, but that's ridiculous. Same with Would I Lie to You. You'll get some comedians on there but also you'll get personalities it's not yeah it's like they don't trust us to be yeah. funny it is it is getting better it's improving but um i was trying to explain this to a male comedian recently and it's quite a harsh thing to say i feel like i've got to get there quicker because i started later because women have a much more limited shelf life yes. than men and it's a really hard conversation because they don't understand it because men do not think that way. It's just, yeah. I know, you know, I'm, I'm quite glam. I can, I appear a bit younger than I am at the moment, but... A bit? I can't believe you're... Gonna reach, you look 10 years younger. <laughs> it's going to reach a point where that's not true and then you're kind of put into boxes. And if you haven't yeah. established yourself as a young, fit comedian, I, you don't see a lot of women coming in at my age to tv comedy yeah you, you don't unless you're already established unless you're someone like joe brands or sue perkins that have been yeah. around for a long long time yeah so, and do you think that's ever a consideration for a man is that i need to do this while i'm still good looking because no. after i'm not no I one don't want me yeah so like it's, comedian friends were saying male comedian friends like oh don't worry if your first fringe isn't very good you know it might take five or six years and it's like well it, i'm not going to be still doing it in five yeah. or six years because if I can't break through in the next few years once I'm in my mid-40s like that is that's not commercially viable it's just unfortunate and there are loads of people on the circuit that have started a bit later and are doing brilliant work but yeah for me having come from a sort of PR marketing background I know where the ceiling is yeah yeah and that's what, the thing is there's always exceptions yeah there are always exceptions and we have to live in hope but realistically financially psychologically yeah it's like i feel like this next couple of fringes have got to work hard for me because also i'm old enough to know i don't want to sink 10 grand a year into something that is ultimately it could just be a pumped up hobby yeah for me if i don't think it could be a viable revenue stream but then I mean, as much as i love it i could just i could just yeah, knock around on the circuit doing fun stuff but leave Edinburgh out. But it's I'm so yeah, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not that person. Yeah. That can I just understand. enjoy things. I'm I've got to be like oh what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next yeah. thing? Yeah. I'm really competitive with myself, so I can't <laughs> just enjoy things. I've got to spoil it for myself. <laughs> but then I suppose it's that drive, isn't it, to get you need that to get to the next level, I guess. Yeah. So it's good. But then also it's hard because you can't just yeah. So just enjoy it's it. kind of putting everything into it because people are like, oh, you know, just give it time. It's like I don't feel like I have time. So if it doesn't yeah. start paying off quickly, I, I, the energy that I'm putting in, the financials I'm putting in, the compromises my husband's having to make for it as well because he's very supportive of me living my dream. Yeah. He's been brilliant about it. I'm out four or five nights a week sometimes. I'm spending our money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this year I'm taking the whole of August out so you know that that limits are we gonna have a holiday we don't know and he's been really brilliant about it but 
that can only go on so long without me feeling like I'm impacting his life yeah. in a negative Does way. Does he come as well. a lot? He used to, but it's because it's funny. I have this conversation with my mum quite often, so I'll tell her I'm doing a gig, and she'll be like, "Is Reese coming with you?" It's my job, though. As yeah. much as like he doesn't come to my day job with me, I don't go yeah. to his day job. So when it stopped being a novelty, yeah, and he didn't need to sort of mentally support me because I was doing something that was such a huge deal. Yeah. It's pretty dull. Like he likes comedy, but he's not huge. He's got a really low threshold to secondhand embarrassment. So he finds it excruciating if people yeah. are not good or if they do not get the response they deserve. He really yeah. you know, he wants to leave the room. He's like peeling yeah. his own skin off with the secondhand embarrassment of it. So <laughs> So he'll come to the bigger gigs that yeah. you know, I'll I'm excited about, but yeah, not the day to day ones unless it's I've yeah. never really thought about that. Is you have to sit through everyone else as well, don't you? And yeah. I guess some people really aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just not their night, or it's not your style yeah. of comedy. So I've seen, because I did the 100 gigs, so I would have seen over a 1,000 different acts probably, with the average bill yeah. being between, because open mic is between like 8 and 20 acts on doing five minutes. Yeah. So I saw so much comedy in that first year that... Wow. And it is, I mean, because I imagine you will feel for them. So it's not only going through the emotional turmoil of doing it yourself, but then you've got to do that for everyone else as well. <laughs> it uh, must have been exhausted. And yeah, they'll always sit down the front as well, because I love all comedy and I love people who want to do it. So I'll be down yeah. the front, like, giving them my best, like, even if my face is hurting by the end of it, just because I think it needs to be, you need that person in a room sometimes. So. <laughs> oh, that's nice. But yeah, it's... Uh, What's such... been your most favourite gig? Or the most memorable one? Oh, that is quite a tough question. Because they've... They're all just so much fun in, in different ways. So... Oh. Oh, well, probably the biggest gig was Alexandra Palace. So, like... Wow! I know! I got onto this bill with proper pro comedians. It was a thousand capacity sellout. It felt like such a moment to go out and do it and it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before like a thousand people laughing at your jokes I was wow. not prepared for that it was such a big day um yeah and it was all again like I said all these weird little serendipitous things have happened so in my day job I worked with this brilliant journalist from the BBC who happened to be talking to somebody about me at the school gates with when she was picking up her kids and it turned out they were part of the biggest comedy agency in the world, Avalon. And she recommended me to this lovely woman. And she Facebook messaged me to say, oh, I met someone from Avalon. And I told them about you. Can you send me a video of your work? And I was like, oh, what a lovely thing. But oh Danielle, they, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to hear anything from them, but I love, I love this energy from you. And yeah. they got in touch and they said, do you want to come and do this? charity comedy show with Russell Howard, Ed Gamble, Nish Kumar, Flo and Joan. And wow. Is it all right? Um, most of the comedians are waving their fee because it's for charity. Would you be all right to do it for no fee? And I was like, yeah, I, I think that'll be fine. Like he nearly broke my fingers <laughs> replying. <laughs> and it was one of those things where at the time I just started a new job and I was not enjoying it at all. And I was worried that part of the reason I wasn't enjoying it is because I was giving so much mental energy to comedy that I wasn't committing hard enough to the yeah. day job. So I was considering giving up. And that was the day that this email came in asking if I wanted to do this show. <laughs> so it was fortunate. It's it was funny how things like that happen. I was running around backstage like a competition winner. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was doing these little affirmations in my head on the way there. I was like, be cool, Vex, be cool, be cool. This is just another day at the office. Be cool, be cool, be cool. And then, yeah, got in there. I was opening and closing the fridge. I was like, is this stuff free? Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. It was, yeah, next level. And I went out in the break. Again, this is how, <laughs> this is how not, not a, proper stand-up comedian I am I just went out to the public bar in the break because why wouldn't you yeah <laughs> it's like some of my friends and family were out there and so I said to the woman backstage I was like how do I get outside to the bar and she looked at me like why would you want to do yeah. that and I was like it's like can you show me out and I walked through and it was so surreal that 
people knew me from the stage and because even though I'm not famous you've got a bit of a gloss to you and people were really yeah. excited that I was there just because I'd been on the stage like it's her it's 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 the comedian I was like oh, this is so cool but a few girls came up and said because it was an all-male first half and a few girls came up and said to me in the interval they're like oh my god I loved you it's so cool to see we were waiting for a woman to come out like it was yeah wow so and, even at that level but yeah and um yeah people took photos with me and it was genuinely so Aww. it was such a weird experience I just wanted a pint because I'd been so stressed yeah. and highly strung I wanted a pint and to hug all my friends and family and go is that all right did it go okay it was yeah I wasn't expecting that response. Oh, that's amazing. So, so cool. <laughs> so how do you write your material? Where do you get your inspiration from? It's mostly true stories of things that have happened to me because my life is ridiculous. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really... And the, the beauty of comedy stuff is you can rewrite the endings of really humiliating situations to make you sound a little bit cooler and more fun yeah. than you were. So you get to have that, like when you have an... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com argument with someone you remember is zinging like closing line that you should have said when you yeah. tell the story you can have said that <laughs> so <laughs> so you could kind of rewrite history a little bit but um most of it is 90 percent true with a bit of sparkle wow. to it so yeah fortunately my mum is a rich font of hilarity <laughs> not always for the reasons she expects but <laughs> She's she rings me up all the time. She's like, "Oh, Vic, she can tell you comedy people this," and I worry her behaviour is escalating because she's trying to create situations <laughs> that I'll talk about in comedy now. So. <laughs> oh well, it's nice she wants to help. She's so supportive. She sends all my videos around. She lives in this complex, um, like an older person's complex, and she sends all my videos around to her neighbours, and they all bought T-shirts. Oh. It was really cute, but. So, have you have you written your Edinburgh show? <sighs> it's a good, it's a good, that's a good question. Um, I've got forty five minutes of things that I can say. Whether it's okay. forty five minutes that will be thirty when I've edited it down, or if it's because yeah. I had a show written for last year and I I basically just binned it. I didn't enjoy doing it, and so I took some of the elements of it, but just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So I've kind of started again, but I've got um, somebody, I've got a director now, which is fancy. Oh, I know. Cause, uh, that's exciting. I know, because my amazing friend has decided she wanted to invest, because I said I didn't have any money to do any of the cool stuff. So my amazing friend who's in a good financial position has just said, I'm going to put up the money for you to have a director so you feel confident going in. So That's amazing. Which oh, is how lovely. so, so kind. But yeah, just to sort of take the pressure off. So yeah, I had my first meeting with him on Monday. He came to see one of my work in progress, and so he said, "There's definitely, there's a, it's it's all there. It's just get it's it's getting a narrative line through it, so it's telling a story. Because at the moment, yeah. it's a lot of bits that are funny, but there's no clear beginning, middle, and end. Yes, yeah. And I think 
that's sort of the difference between the good shows that make you laugh all the way through and the ones that you sort of remember afterwards, I think. Yeah. So hopefully we'll reach some kind of understanding well, I'm on really that. excited for you. But the whole concept is whether I'm like a quirky, petty person or a dick. Because <laughs> 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 I consider myself, you know, I considered pettiness like... A, a fun personality trait of like me getting one over on on people, but um, as the as the years gone on, I'm like, am I just an asshole? <laughs> is this cute and petty, or is it just bad? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the theme. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited for you. Do you know where you're performing? Yes, so I got I got a venue the first year of comedy. So I did my hundred gigs and I applied for Edinburgh Fringe twenty twenty, and I got a venue, and that's just rolled over for the two years. So I've got oh, it now. Okay. Thank God, because if I'd done the show in twenty twenty, it would have been shit. Like if, honestly, it would have been so bad. Like the I I did have some real like the confidence. I wish I could get back. So I've got if I had that confidence with the improved quality of work yeah. that I've got now I'd be unstoppable but the longer I've been doing it the more critical I am of the work and the harder a time I'm giving myself so I look back at some of my early sets and the writing was, was rubbish but my delivery was so confident I think I was fooling people they were like well it must be good look at her she's having a lovely time so so yeah <laughs> it's all about confidence isn't it really Just need to meet somewhere in the said- middle yeah, well, yeah, but how do you get a venue in Edinburgh? You have to apply for it, so you have to put forward an application with this is what my show is going to be about, this is my plan to market it, this is what my profile is at the moment, here are some videos, so you have to basically put a business case together for it. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of admin. Yeah. Like, until you're proper famous, like, get, getting gigs is a lot of admin, you have to apply for yeah. them, you have to kiss a lot of arses. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a constant. So, it's, well yeah, done. I, d- I don't know why people theory. would do it. I do not know why people would do it. But... Well, you we must love it. <laughs> I oh. do. <clears throat> Sorry. And thank God, because we do need more women. Yeah, it's nice to be part of that, to be yeah. part of this sort of new wave of people there. Oh, oh, thank you so much for coming on to talk to me all about it. Oh, How do people find you? So I'm on Twitter. I'm at PRVix on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram, Vix Layton, V-I-X-L-E-Y-T-O-N. You can look for my podcast anywhere good and bad podcasts are found. Like I pretty much put it everywhere I can find. What's it called? The Comedy Arcade. So yeah, that is that. That's a thing. And Edinburgh Fringe, apparently. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm really excited. If I can come. <laughs> I have literally. I did drama when I was younger. So since I think I was sixteen, I was like, I've got to go Edinburgh, and I still haven't made it. But I will. You definitely. I would should. like to take my kids because I think they'd appreciate it. But then obviously they wouldn't get the more adult content. There's so enough on. There is enough on for kids though. Like there is yeah. a whole program that runs for younger kids because I did some comedy for kids shows at Cambridge Comedy Festival. <laughs> Which is okay. really fun. Um, yeah, and they are specific for younger audiences. But a lot of them, like mine, I put 14 as the guide age on it. Yeah. But that's for swearing. Like, pretty much everything yeah. in my show, If you, you'll get it. You'll get enough of it. So, you know, silly yeah. things like my mum hating a comedian because step, he stepped on her toe. Like, there's... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's not, you'd be able to build the programme without doing too much research, I think. Yeah. There's plenty Oh, good luck. I can't wait to hear how it goes. I'll keep everything crossed for you. Yeah, I will, well, I'll let you know. I'll I'll come back on. Yes, please do. (laughs) It's September, I'll I'll have aged 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you'll only look 45. Yeah, if you like. (laughs) <laughs> it's the filter, oh. it's the zoom filter, honestly. It does a lot of heavy lifting. Is there a filter on it? <laughs> I think so. I mean I There's do a mug not. not to. I'm pretty sure I've done think... the, the, the soft focus though. Oh you look very good. I don't believe <laughs> there's any filter at all. <laughs> Alright love, thank you. Oh, what is lovely to chat to you? You too.
so that was the wonderful fix if you're lucky enough to be going to edinburgh this year then make sure you get a ticket to her show i'm going to post links to her i was on her podcast the comedy arcade sunday just gone it came out so listen to that with the wonderful mark who i'm going to get on my podcast he's written two books and got another one come out i mean i think that's anyone that writes a book i mean it's good going isn't it um but yeah, I'll post links to everything. Vix is great. She does loads of gigs. So if you're, if well, I know that she's in London a lot. I do, she does travel about, she gets about. But yeah, if you're in London, then make sure you follow her and see where she's at. You might see me at one of her shows. But yes, but I hope you're good. Stay safe, stay sane. If you want to talk to me about any of my gynecological issues, then get in touch because I will talk for hours about them. Um, weirdly, I actually have got my period came on this morning after the wonderful strawberry moon last night I don't know obviously this is a few days after you're going to be listening to this but um it was an amazing moon on Monday night and I got my period and I thought Do you know what that's because of the strawberry moon <laughs> anyway I'm now thinking this might be I might only have five more periods to go and then I'm not going to have them anymore and I'm so fucking excited about this because it's oh, it's just shit isn't it but yeah so but I hope you're good I'm sorry I've been going on about my periods but tough Work. love you stay safe stay sane and I'll see you Work. next week please subscribe to the podcast and share it and don't tell well tell everyone Work. about my periods but maybe if they're not I'm not going to